welcome to Real World Ember, where we interview Ember developers who are awesome, but not necessarily famous yet. So today we have Chris Bonzer, and he works for Chorus here in Austin. So go ahead and tell us a little about yourself, how long you've been programming, and what do you do when you're not writing Ember code? Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, live in Austin, Texas. I've been programming uh, professionally for 11 years. That is quite a while. Yeah, and I actually came at it uh, a little sideways. I was an electrical engineer in school. Mm -hmm. I was real hardware focused. Uh, so the only you know school training for program I had was real low level stuff like assembly and uh -huh. other low level languages. I went to work at uh, AMD, uh, and my job was actually to help build test equipment for the microprocessors. So the equipment was uh, automated. Uh, with software, and that's really when I, you know, poured into some learning software development. And um, uh, as part of that, I we did a lot with Ruby, and went from knowing Ruby as a language to eventually learning Rails, and then eventually, you know, starting to get into the front end. Going back a little bit, so you're saying Ruby is testing our microchips? Uh, Ruby is testing the equipment that tests our microchips. All right. So it's meta testing. <laughs> is that complicated enough, <laughs> enough for you? So do you test the Ruby that tests the equipment that tests the microchips? Yes. Although <laughs> maybe not as much as we wanted. But the interesting thing about all that is we are testing stuff that we expect to fail in weird and unpredictable ways. So, mm -hmm. you know, if it could go wrong, it would go wrong, including equipment catching on fire, or, <laughs> uh, the processor overriding sections of the hard disk. So the next time you try and boot, it doesn't boot and all kinds of fun things like that. So uh, learning to deal <laughs> with unpredictable things was a big part of that job. Wow, that's much more unpredictable than just, say, sending the wrong header. Yes, yeah. What was the if-then statement? If it catches on fire, then... <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we, there was lots of sensors on the equipment. So we would know if it caught on fire or if a fuse tripped or something like that. Right. So you, like, trigger the sprinklers or... Well, you try, we tried really hard not to do that. Right. Because <laughs> that would probably ruin a lot of microchips. Yes. Yeah. So with all the sensors, was it... We're getting way off topic here, but that's okay. So it was sort of like a nervous system where it recognizes where it is and like tries to stamp out the fire. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that precise. But uh, I was uh, in our test facility in Asia one time, and I was standing in person in front of one of our test setups uh -huh. uh, when it caught on fire, and it was literally like three feet from my face, like this <laughs> you know, hot blue electrical fire, and uh, uh, ran over and hit the off switch on the and killed the power to the equipment. Uh, yeah, so that was a good time. <laughs> oh man, I hoped one day to have my code catch on fire. Yes. That is a career goal now. Good luck. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So uh, how long have you been doing Ember? A uh, little under two years. Awesome. That's uh, pretty senior for Ember still. Yeah. So it was, I think, picked it up in like 1.5 or 1.6 of Ember and Ember data was still in beta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how did you get into Ember? Uh, well, I started at Chorus and maybe a month Month and a half before I got hired, they had made the, the decision to rewrite the app in Ember. And so I jumped in kind of right at the beginning of things and learned Ember with the team and mm -hmm. went from there. So part of the appeal to coming to Chorus was getting to kind of work on the latest and greatest technology and get to build a single page app. And uh, it's been quite a ride. 
Yeah, I still remember when single page app was unusual. Yeah. I've been uh, immersed in it so long that it seems weird to not do it. It does, doesn't it? You go use like an old application that's not a single page app and you're like, why is my browser reloading? Yeah, it feels, uh, well, I say this, emberscreencast.com is actually a Rails app. (laughs) So I can't look uh, too far down. But yeah, using most apps still feels uh, clunky if they're not Ember. Mm -hmm. But uh, okay, so the organization decided to use Ember. Do you know what the thought processes were around that? Yeah, I've I've talked to uh, folks that were around in that time. And, you know, at the time we had released version one of our app and it was just a Rails CRUD app. And they're looking to go revamp the UI and make it, you know, sexier, easier to use. Mm -hmm. And they debated like even doing single page app versus just kind of more Ajax and some some home world JavaScript. And eventually it came down to really wanting to do the single page app. And they're looking at Angular and Ember. And at the time, Ember seemed to be the favorite a lot of a lot of the Rails community. And so that kind of swayed the decision. In retrospect, I'm really glad that they you know picked Ember. I'm not envious of those Angular devs that are having to prepare to rewrite their app for Angular 2. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think we backed a good horse. Yeah, I've definitely been very happy with my decision. And so what was the transition like going from the Rails app to the Ember app? Uh, it was hard. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, in some cases it was hard because there, we're still at that stage where there's a bunch of immaturity in Ember and especially in Ember data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so often we found ourselves using the beta of the next version of one of those or a fork off of master or something like that. And at the time, acceptance testing was really painful. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and we, you know, we burnt a lot of developer hours trying to make acceptance testing work and lots of time spelunking in the framework code. And mm-hmm. eventually, uh, you know, we learned not to touch the hot stove and we backed off of acceptance testing for a while. <laughs> Have you guys been able to do it now? We're just now revisiting it. Uh-huh. So we have a little bit of unit integration tests, and I'm hoping this quarter we revisit acceptance testing because we've done some spikes with it on Greenfield Ember projects, and it's much better now. The story's better. So. Definitely. Yeah. Especially now with uh, you've got Ember Data Factory guy and you've got Ember CLI Mirage that mm-hmm. make the testing story with data way easier. Yeah, and that, to be honest, that was a big part of our challenge is we have fairly complex data structures in our app and, and trying to figure out a way to you know construct that for testing back then was very difficult. So mm-hmm. the other thing that was hard in the transition from you know the Rails app to Ember was that the world doesn't stop while you rewrite your app. <laughs> Uh, so like, you know, business, there were still business priorities to add new features. What was originally supposed to be a more simple rewrite turned into like a a full redesign of our UI, Uh which then turned into more features being added. So it was like chasing after, you know, it was like running for an end zone that was running away from you. Uh huh. Yeah. Football players have it easy. Their end zones don't run. Yes. (laughs) But uh, so it took us about three quarters to get to a beta and then additional quarter we, we got to GA and our, our customers have all been on our Ember app since mid last year. Awesome. And what's the feedback been for that? Uh, mostly really positive. Uh, it, I think the users found the app easier to use, more a delightful experience on 
the development front now, it's so much, I find it a lot easier to to make really well-polished features to to do that in a much more rapid fashion than we would have uh, in the past. So Mm -hmm. I think some of the pain came in the transition came because Ember was still a little immature and we didn't know Ember and then, but it's paid off. Awesome. And so specifically, uh, what organizational problems has Ember solved for you? Like, obviously, it's a much better app than one that takes uh, a while to reload every time. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I should ask, how many people are working on the team? We've been very lean. Uh-huh. We've kind of maintained a headcount of around three developers. Mm-hmm. And we have bounced between the front end and the back end work. Uh, and then we've had a few contractors that we've used to to fill in uh, certain parts of the puzzle. Uh-huh. So we've been pretty lean for, I think, the size of app that we have. But the cool thing about Ember is that, you know, you're asking, like, what pluses are there in using Ember? Ember is real strong about conventions. And so I'm able to, to go look at any part of our code that I, I may have not looked at before. In a really short order, I know how it works, where I should expect certain concerns to be implemented. And that's a huge plus, you know. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that. I can go into almost any app, any Ember app, and just know right where to go. Yeah. I've also uh, really appreciated the the add-ons. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of great community support. We have some additional, like, separate applications that are kind of sitting on, that we're ruminating on. And so the ability to pull parts of our main app out into add-ons and then share them between these different apps will be really powerful. Yeah, that's been huge. And then it's great not having to, like, refigure out how to do things that the community's already figured out, right? Uh-huh. So, like, big fan of Liquid Fire and the animations you can do with that. And Ember Paper is something we've been using and been real happy with. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then even, like, simple things, like just, like, Ember Moment. Like, really easy way to pull Ember into the app and have little component helpers to format dates, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. It's a growing tool set that's just there for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about what Chorus does. Sure. So Chorus, uh, our kind of aim is to help our customers be the best run companies on earth. So That's a good aim. Yeah. We do that through helping the CEO and executive team articulate a strategy on a quarterly basis uh, and then execute on that. And So you do it by helping your client companies, not by sabotaging their competitors. Yes. There are multiple ways to get to best run companies. I guess so. Or terrible. No, that's not the strategy. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we help with like uh, setting strategy, execution, and talent management and some stuff around culture. So mm-hmm. it's really a new software category. And, and we're, you know, in that fun stage of the market, where we're fighting to define the software category. So let's talk a little bit more about each of those things that uh, you're trying to promote within those companies. How do you do that with software? The strategy and execution takes the form of setting uh, quarterly goals, uh, and the CEO and executive team does that, and then the goals are cascaded down through the organization. And then on a weekly basis, everybody in the organization goes in, takes about five minutes, and they give predictive insight as to whether they're going to achieve their goals or not. Uh And that gets rolled up into this really easy-to-use, easy-to-understand dashboard that the CEO can use to run their weekly ops meeting. And so instead of the CEO getting to the end of the quarter and realizing they're going to miss their number in the last week, 
they will get this insight from maybe someone all the way down, eight levels down in the organization saying, hey, I'm, we're going to miss our number this quarter. And the CEO can then see that much earlier and react to it and maybe help that person get their goal achieved so that the company stays on track. Mm-hmm. In a company, do people usually report those numbers correctly, uh, non-optimistically? Yeah, I mean, everybody has, I guess, their personal bent towards whether they are pessimist or optimist. But, you know, I think that's why the, there's value in it being a weekly check-in, right? Uh-huh. One, one week, maybe at an emotional level, you're not feeling so great about it. Uh, but next week, you put on your more analytical hat and you're, you feel better. So, uh, you know, as that kind of aggregates up to the CEO level, it, it uh, becomes uh, a useful thing for them. Right. So the CEO gets both the numbers and the mood of the entire company. Yeah, you can kind of get a read out of that. So it's doing analytics on your own company almost. So I guess maybe a concrete example is the best. So imagine the CEO sets a goal and says, hey, we need to make $5 million in revenue this quarter. Okay. The marketing team is going to have a goal that says we need to develop 800 new leads and the sales team is going to have a, you know, a goal that's we need to close this many deals. The engineering team might have a goal that says we got to release product X and product Y by these dates. Mm-hmm. And then that'll cascade all the way down to like the individual engineers that are working on the project will have very specific goals around their stuff. And it might be one of those engineers at the bottom that has a key piece of the project that has to be delivered on time to meet the number. And he says, hey, it's very unlikely I'm going to get this achieved unless I get some help. And, you know, he'll be, he'll be able to put that feedback in. It cascades all the way up the organization. And at the executive team level, they could say, well, let's get that guy some help and make sure we hit this goal, right? Uh-huh. So part of this is building out a dependency chain to see which is uh, the most necessary to get done first. It's not task management software, so it doesn't quite build this dependency chain like you're, like you're speaking of. But Okay, how do we know which engineering projects are vital? That's the neat thing about having the goals cascade from the top to the bottom is, you know, there might be an engineer down at the, bo- you know, at the bottom of the organization saying, I'm red, and his manager is going to look at that and say, yeah, but that doesn't really impact the overall project, so I'm going to be green, even though the guy that reports to me is red. So there's this human intuition at each level that says, that takes all those kind of factors into play and makes it meaningful. All right. Yeah. So the software doesn't do all of it. It just helps the humans. Yes. All right. That's uh, probably for the best that it works as a team. Yeah. And, you know, from a development perspective, what's interesting about this project is we have a user tree of data, right? Your organization tree. And then we end up with several goal trees of data and they intersect each other at different points. And so you can imagine in, in the UI, as you're trying to explore who's, you want to give the user the ability to explore who's doing what and how do goals connect to one another. You know, it's a lot of data. And so you end up with a, as an engine, you know, working on this project, making a lot of interesting decisions around uh, what data do I load when and how do I present that to the user? And when the user starts to browse through one of those trees, how do we show the right loading states and load the right data at the right time? And uh, Ember's been, and particularly Ember Data has been very helpful in making all that work. Nice. So you guys have been able to make Ember Data work with large amounts of data. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah, that sounds... Uh, so do you guys use it at Chorus, within Chorus? Yes, we do. Nice. And so you're dogfooding your own app. 
Yeah. Has uh, has there been any situations that's helped you resolve within chorus? Yeah, I mean, often. And uh, what's neat about it, there's a lot of transparency in the app. So, uh, like, I'm able to go in and look at the sales team and how their goals are going or the marketing team or the customer support team. And I can see the comments that they're having about their status. And, you know, I might find something interesting is happening in another team and I can go over and talk to them about that. And maybe we end up collaborating in a way that we never would have before. Awesome. Yeah. Anything to help create better collaboration, better teamwork. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Speaking of teamwork, are you guys hiring more team members right now? We are. We are looking for a range of experience. Folks that have uh, an Ember and Rails stack experience would be ideal, but and anybody who has experience with like a large single page app is a big plus. But like I said, we are looking for a range of experience and we're willing to do some training to help people who maybe have just been playing with Ember but want to learn more. This would be a good place to do that. We are still a small team, so it's a place people can come have impact. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. So uh, how should they contact you if they're wanting to apply? Yeah, you could email careers at chorus.com, and it, chorus is spelled with a K, so K-H-O-R-U-S. All right, so careers at chorus.com. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, well, thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? No, I mean, uh, the last year and a half of Ember has been, there's been challenges, but it's been a blast, and I'm looking forward to, uh, it seems like the Ember community keeps on growing, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. This is the end of the show, but here's a message from our sponsor. Our sponsor who happens to be me. So I run emberscreencast.com. If you're an intermediate level developer, then this site is for you. So you've read your introductory book and you're ready to get started, but you're not quite into reading the source code yet. So. I go and I explain some of the basics, but I also explain cool add-ons and some intermediate to advanced topics as well. So go ahead and check out emberscreencast.com. Two screencasts released every week for the intermediate Ember developer. I hope to see you there.